It is December the 16th, 2023, and this is the future of photography. The future of photography. And we're back, three of us. It's 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 inching it's inching closer to everyone going on holidays and visiting family and hiding in the forest and other things. All those, all those sorts of things, yes. Uh, Hello, I'm excited <laughs> because I, I just received this. I had ordered it a while ago, and I, I'm just going to share it. it. Very little to do with photography, but... What the... You, oh, ink! Ink! I can see the, ink! The blackest Hold ink. On. The blackest what? The blackest print in the universe. <laughs> the blackest ba- paint. Black, paint. Black, paint. Oh, paint. Oh, paint, not print. Sorry. This is even blacker than Vanta, evidently. Is right? it? Is it, it blacker is, than black? Yeah, blacker than black, and um, it is, there you go. Um, it's Stuart Semple, who, who is uh, ah, one of these. Ah, okay. He's been Dead railing again. main adversary. <laughs> so what you're going to say, this is even <laughs> blacker than Wednesday Adams playing painted black on her black cello. True, uh, true. <laughs> anyway, yeah, don't, don't uh, put it on your car, otherwise you'll be in an accident within seconds. Yeah. I have seen a photo of that black BMW. Okay. So that reminds me, Chris, of when I was a kid and I thought color blindness means that if something was a certain color, you would literally it's see invisible. straight through it. If you paint the door red, you could literally see straight through it. I might have gotten this wrong. Mm. Yeah. You, you, might really, have got, you, you might really have believe that? that? <laughs> well, I don't know that I believed it. It was just like, I don't think, when I, I mean, I'm talking about you know, a, yeah, a small kid, probably under 10 years old or something like that. But I thought if somebody's colorblind, if they can't see that color, what do they see instead? I, because I people to... didn't call it, in, in this country at least, it was just called colorblindness, yeah. right, in those yeah. days. They, you, they didn't, yeah. Reminds, um, reminds me of the time when I tried to explain to someone what orthochromatic film means because it doesn't <laughs> see red. And it, it was a similar situation. Okay, yeah, what yeah. happens to the red then? Is it just... No, it's it's black. Anyway, photography. <laughs> it's photography. photography. Yes. It's it's the time of year when we are we are we're just throwing things in our document to talk about and it's a it's a it's a rather unplanned episode, so we looked in the in the news bin and um I'm, and I'm, what did we find? <laughs> well here here's a few things that I found and the first is um I have a follow up to Harmon Phoenix the the new color film that we talked about that yeah, yeah. is getting quite some publicity and <clears throat> that has resulted in it not being available in Germany anymore. I think it's sold out. Um, it's I sold tried out to get everywhere. A, I tried to get some. Too. I tried to get a couple of rolls. They said like ah, two to four weeks, which means we haven't don't have it in stock. We haven't stock. got it. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> haven't started thing, manufacturing it. Basically. One thing I, I realized only after a while, and I don't think Harman knows what an opportunity for for a promotion that is, is that, and, and I, only re- I only realized when I listened to the Sunny 16 episode about it, where the Harman people are, um, are, are as guests and they talk about this. They keep talking about this film being kind of difficult to scan and it's 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 different and it's like <clears throat> and I wasn't sure what that really means is that a, a thing of the is, is the surface different of it does it reflect light in a weird way <clears throat> turns out no it's maskless which means it doesn't have the orange mask that other color films typically have so when you bring it to your 
corner store for scanning to your lab for scanning and they throw it into their color negative scanning machine that'll mess it up because it'll try to remove an orange mass that's not there but there was a film by Rolai a few years ago that also didn't have this mask and it was specifically targeted towards people scanning at home because inverting an orange masked film is difficult. You need specific Mm -hmm. software for it. And if you have a maskless film, it just means you shoot it, you invert it, or you scan it, you invert it, and that's it pretty much. So uh, this is, if if they want to target a specific audience of home scanners of people who might not even just scan it they might just have a camera with a macro lens photographing it of a light table of a of a little led light table or something that makes it so much easier and i don't think they have that on their radar so that's very that's interesting i didn't know that um i was going to go with um it, it, it's a, a a well-kept secret actually the the, the harman lab because they do have their own lab that you can send your film to yes. is actually really good at color development um you know for a company that of course until right now has only ever made black and white film um uh, but their their lab for many years uh, has been able to process c41 oh. films because of course they had a black and white c41 film and, and they and, do have and they do have the machinery for it and it's all set up to remove that orange mask so they had a learning process for sure so if you're in the UK listening to this and trying out the new film then you could do an awful lot worse than sending your film to the Harman lab for scanning <laughs> Yes. So anyway, maskless. When when I realized that, I was like, "Oh, I have to." Now I have to buy it. So that triggered my what my, my click do, what finger. What do you think is going on? And I'm talking globally in terms of research for new film. I mean, we talk about you know the research on megapixel processors, speed of processing, um, lens design, all of that kind of stuff. But I rarely read, hear, or speak to anyone who knows uh, there's some very sophisticated new research into photosensitive film. Not aware of anything. Right. Um, you, no, not me. You, you occasionally get new de- emulsions in development, but that's not fundamentally I mean, changing the technology, though, is it? There's a, there's a, there has been a fundamental change in the whole film photography side because uh, there was there was a point where that was the standard and it had to be very precise and you were doing anything to get the best resolution the the, the smallest grain and so on and then digital happened and that took over that that uh, let's say surgical side of photography and that gave the whole film side the freedom to experiment and to be a more of a playground and to yeah. I don't know to love grain to love weird colors and these kind of things. Um, That's a really good point. Yeah. I I thought of it like that. I don't expect innovation on the film side. It's more like, Hey, let's, let's finally just not give a damn about the color accuracy of our C41. But on the other hand, one could not give a damn about color accuracy and yet create film that is specifically oriented, say in a more exaggerated way to say what Agfa's color um, response to green or, Kodachrome response to red. In other words, those subtle variations, whether it's in overall contrast, how it defines color. Um, and I, I'm not saying that this is a broad market appeal issue, 
But knowing, you know, that there are always uh, purists in terms of, remember when, you know, um, LPs went out of fashion, you know what I mean? They were almost gone. And then artists started pressing their own. They bought old machines. And all of a sudden, with dance clubs, you had these limited editions. And now... Um, it's not unusual for a wax disc to outsell even CDs who are yep. on their way out. Um, so there is a niche market. I mean, look at the three of us. <laughs> we jump in and probably experiment with any kind of film, even if it was, you know, $25 uh, a roll, just because. We wouldn't buy 10 rolls, but we would buy one and carefully uh, photograph it, um, photograph from it. Um, I'm always curious about that vis-a-vis -vis the kind of niche market and passionate um, purveyors of film photography writ large and the growing, um, I guess, niche market in film cameras, which, you know, it seems there's no, there's no end in sight for those kinds of things to keep being manufactured, even in a limited way. I th I think they're they're dusting off some of the old machinery as we speak. So um, well, I hope so because because I do think that with our ability to use science, new technology for backing, just that kind of thing of do you need a a colored backing or not, uh, star or flat? What kind of new plastics or bamboo material that can be used and will uh, have kind of ancillary visual responses that are yeah. unusual. Those are the kinds of things that I would certainly like to see. Oh, I mean, um, there is there is innovation there. I mean, when we look at materials, washi film, for example, film yeah. that is that is printed yeah. on uh, with the emulsion made put on paper. Yeah. Um, so I guess there is that innovation and it's very likely not coming from the big ones. It's not from coming from Kodak. Or no, I, and I don't. I don't think it would. I mean, in no. the same way that instant pictures w was, you know, again and, the purview and, of. And the reason is because they are kind of set in their ways. And though, for example, like Harman, I mean, they've been around forever. They are not seeing the maskless um, feature of that film as a feature. They see it as a hindrance to getting a good scan from the established old machines. So yeah. Yeah. Well, Chris, you you use. Uh, you know, four by five cameras and, yeah. you know, a member of the old fantastic Polaroid back for them. Mm, you know, with I have Kilo one. Light. I don't have film for it. <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, for a while, maybe about five, six years ago, could be more. Oh, New there 55 was, tried to, tried to exactly, cater to that market. I but, ordered a ton of it. <laughs> oh, I, I still have some in the fridge, but it's probably yeah, dead by me now. Too, so me too. Me anyway. Too. Um, but... Anyway, I look forward to that. It's a shout out for anybody who um, is listening or watching this. That that uh, please innovate. Let's have some interesting film. Yes. Um, you know, go for it. Not subtle changes, but something radically different. Anyway. All right. How how do we get to the next topic? Uh, I don't know. No I'll idea. just I'll just ask you. Hard yeah. cut. <laughs> who has been out it during the nights of the last couple of days to shoot the Geminids? weather here has been horrendous the last few days so you know, no you know we, we had the we had the okay a month ago we had the um what other meteor shower was that one of the Perse others is it the perseids Perse i think one, the perseids were, were up a month ago and i completely forgot to 
tell people in the podcast. I mean, I only realized like a week later that we just missed it. And uh, so I, I, at least on the on the Happy Shooting podcast, um, we prepared people for the Geminis, but everyone was like there was a cloud cover everywhere so it didn't <laughs> it did not work it's the best meteor shower of the year it's i mean they had people who could see it in like i think in in, in canada saskatchewan people got photos of it yeah. with like two or three um shooting stars a minute so. Evidently, the whole of Northern Lights as well over this year and, and that, next yes. year um, yes. are are going to be unlike uh, something nobody's ever seen. I, we've seen some recent pictures of the Northern Lights. They're just dazzling. there was yeah one of those came through. Actually, we haven't got a, a, a list for it, I don't, a, a link for it, but one of those came through my feed this week. Actually, this year's um, Northern Lights or Northern Skies Photography Awards or something like that. Some some seriously seriously impressive. Yeah. Stuff. I mean, I'm planning a, a trip to the Arctic next October. Where? Canada? Uh, no, from Norway. Ah, uh, doing it that up to way. Svalbard? Yeah. And ah, then nice. across, yeah. Nice, nice. All right. Um, we do have an AI scandal in, in photography land. Not another one, surely. Oh, boy. And it's not. <laughs> it's go. and it's not about image generation. It's it's a completely different one. Uh, BNH Photo was caught. Uh, publishing an AI-generated <laughs> guide written by someone who does not exist, including including a whole bio of Alexandra Ibarra, who does not exist, and they were um, they were caught because they used a, I think an Adobe an AI-generated Adobe stock image for her. So, oh, okay, so it wasn't the, because of the words then. That was kind of the stupidest way to get caught by. Just using some stuff. It's got to be on purpose. This is BNH. They, they. I mean, you know, I, I know sometimes people's opinion on BNH varies, right? And I don't have a point of view to, don't, um, on, on that at all. Um, but they're pretty competent people, I think, aren't they? Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah they know I what mean, they're uh, doing. You know, <clears throat> when I was a professional photographer living in New York, uh, I frequented 47th Street Photo. If anyone remembers that from being in New York and being a photographer, it would be the holy grail that one would go to for all the latest and greatest. Eventually, that rotated into what became B&H Photo. And a B&H Photo is just a massive, massive organization. But they basically have everything that's available. I oh, mean, yeah. I've, I've spent, I've left, I left some money there. I shaved <laughs> pieces of my credit card off and left it. Mm, there. I think I've done that too, yeah. <sighs> oh, yeah. And, and for a while, they issued their own kind of adjunct credit card. So no tax, no shipping, especially here in the U.S., which would be great. It would be easier for me to order my paper from them. I still do. Then, you know, across the street. Not that there is a paper seller across the street anymore. There used to be. Anyway, them them using AI to write articles. Is that something we even need to talk about anymore? Because I felt the feeling that everyone is is doing that now. Would it, well, more, would it not be more newsworthy if they weren't using AI to, to write <laughs> stuff? So, I, I, yeah, I mean, I think that, that you know, we have been talking about this for a while, but, but and not even that long. I mean, you think 18 months ago, this really wasn't on anybody's radar, but but currently, I think the, the interesting... Ah, there's my siren. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I told you. Um, I think that what is interesting culturally... 
is that you have a generation of people growing up who will either question the, quote, reality, um, or not question it and just accept it for what it is. I mean, my 10-year-old granddaughter, I, sh I was showing her a um, couple of, of kind of macro uh, pictures of, of bugs, and, um, and the first thing she asked, this is a 10-year-old, is that real or is that AI? Mm -hmm. Now, from a 10-year-old, and, and she didn't really think about it. It was just like she wanted to know, just the way we would want to know. It has now become, everything has become questionable as to authenticity. I, I think uh, uh, the, the younger generation these days is kind of automatically starting to develop a different radar different antennae I think, to I think you'd have to yeah I think yeah. you have to I, I'm, pretty, um, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty I'm pretty sure it will it will mix things up for older people it will be difficult for people who are kind of used to a media <laughs> landscape that is trustworthy I'm making air quotes here <laughs> right. but um, but well or, or generated by people made by people um, reviewed by people and so on well that's funny you should mention that because my thought on this was you, you've got this off Petapixel I'm like how long before Petapixel itself is an AI and it's just writing AI articles about oh, it is AI probably articles already about AI and articles. being reviewed by AI it's, reviewers so yeah. there's the meta of it but I have a controversial question Go ahead. Does it matter anymore? Nope. I, I think you can, I, I think there's a the, the answer to that is is not necessarily related entirely to AI for me, um, because you know it, it could be applied to any yeah. shift in stuff, right? You know, uh, be it technology or other things. You know, the 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 newcomers, uh, and there will be people that embrace uh, embrace it, and there'll be people that try and. Uh, reject it and there'll be people that even deny it and it'll happen anyway <laughs> so so i think the important thing is education and awareness. there's also different kinds of writing out there i mean different functions for writing there's the the utility kind of stuff that is just reporting on things which is probably easier to automate than some Maybe. deep philosophical and also thing. remember we have you know uh, do we believe our news read and written by humans for the most part but do we believe the accuracy of them um i guess, I guess the question is um and this is just a constant ex exploration as we kind of live through this interregnum this kind of transit between believing our eyes trusting our news sources trusting what we read to completely um it's not that we don't trust it It's that what do we get out of it? I mean, my, my feeling in, in you know, I, I, I really bristle at the kind of these controversial questions about AI art versus, quote, real art. <laughs> you know, it's like, give me a it's, break. It's it, in other words, it's photography versus painting again. So, so it, actually, it, it ain't the tools. It, it's what, what do you get out of it? If I read an amazing article written by AI and saw beautifully rendered imagery by AI and even read reviews that moved me to that article, which I got a lot out of, would I really care? Mm -hmm. No. 
I, I don't think I would. What am I getting out of it? What is my response? How does it make me feel in the world? That's controversial, I think, at this point. Right. I, I think you're probably right, but I, I, you used the word interregnum, right? Which is, apart from being an excellent word just That's to say, because it's a love, it's a great word just to speak. It's very satisfying. Um, it, I think is a is a point very well made because I think the the tools will swiftly come to a point. The technology will swiftly come to a point where actually, you know, not only is it absolutely commonplace, but there will be trust mechanisms for it. Maybe. So yeah, the uh, you know it, the the security and the trust will evolve. It'll it'll lag behind the, the very front end because security and trust always does because you can't. It, it's difficult to it to create a trust model for something that doesn't exist yet. So it necessarily lags behind a little bit. But I think it is, and maybe it's maybe it is a generational thing. Maybe uh, it may maybe poor the poor old Gen Zs are, are, are the lost generation that have lost their whole of their youth to smartphones and, and AIs, and then but yeah, their their kids will be fine though because you know when when their kids will be past smartphones and will but will will have developed the trust models to deal with the new technologies. So it, it is. It's By a the shift. way, or not, but, or, or not. Well, in I think we're probably being a bit of trouble if we don't. But <laughs> well, we're in trouble now. <laughs> All yes. this has a lot to do with the future of photography too, because if there is a complete blurring of real and unreal, and no real accurate trust, and nobody wants to look at an image and go, "I must research this." It's just not going to happen. They're going to look at an image, they're going to respond, and then move on, generally speaking, if we're talking about news or whatever. I just think that, that there will be an entire culture or a cultural evolution wherein we just take this data, we recognize that it could be real or not, we process it within our cultural boundaries, and then we move on. I'm not saying that this is a positive thing, but but it also could have benefits as well. We don't know what they are since we are, in fact, in an interregnum. All right. Speaking of not trusting your eyes, the next one. Um, this, this came around, I think, two weeks ago at least. Um, and I'm not even sure if we've talked about it here on the show, but it's this this photo that made a bit of a stir because it shows the same person. It's a photo of a bride from behind, and there are two mirrors. And it, th look at the po position of her hands in the two. <laughs> the, so, so in one, if she she's there. It's the same point in time, and there's uh, she's having her hands in different positions in all her three incarnations in this photo. So um, the mm. the story, I think, also brought a, a broke on Petapixel and it made a bit of a stir because, of course, how does that happen? And the person who shot that then said ah, it, that they went to Apple and talked to a genius and the genius apparently told them that this was because the phone assembles the photos ai internal from multiple shots okay so that would have been my guess to be honest because you know it, it, so well is it the, not that no it's not so ah. so the the thing is the the only way that i know of where you could have the same person in one photo in multiple different motion phases would be a panorama right because the panorama you 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 
you okay. sweep the camera yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and with if you're smart you can even have the same person in the shot multiple times because they run to the other side and stuff like that so um because the the, the Yes, the phone takes multiple photos. It takes 10 photos and then takes the best bits and makes the photo out of it. Um, it does that, but it does that within two seconds and it's very quick and this this kind of thing does not happen. Um, I found myself trying to reproduce that with my iPhone on a on a tripod and waving my arms in front of a mirror. And, Do you um, still fit into your wedding dress, Chris? <laughs> not with a wedding dress and it did not do anything it was always the same thing and uh, one of the reasons people didn't believe it was a panorama photo is because um, that person shared a screenshot from their uh, photo photos app with the in additional information opened and there it was not indicated that it's a panoramic photo so uh, someone uh, some smart person went on to try it out <clears throat> and you can you can try this if you have an iphone do switch it to panorama mode and then just sweep the camera i don't know a little bit and it will not be a panorama it has to be a drastic difference in in aspect ratio for the phone to actually say oh yeah this is a panorama and sort it into the accordion you mean like a two three album. five instead of a no no even further what? even more even more like like a real wide oh. long sausage shaped photo that's what you need in order to um to make the iphone claim that it's a panoramic photo so that's interesting so it's not to do with the mode you've shot the mode it in that assigns that metadata tag it's actually to do with the aspect ratio of the image right. you make that assigns <clears throat> the metadata tag interesting okay. so mystery solved it's a panoramic photo um and it's it that also kind of shows in the weird resolution that thing has it does not doesn't right, make okay. any sense if mm. it's not a panorama so hmm. this was and, and people really people it was it was all over the timelines and things and oh my god uh, computational photography is messing up our photos and is doing weird things and i have to say i missed that one but i'm still on is the dress blue or black or yellow and gold or whatever that dress was from about five years ago yeah about about at least five years ago <laughs> <laughs> i don't do a lot of social media chris it's right <laughs> all right um next up is uh ted talk that you put in our document and I happened to have watched yesterday. So Yeah, I think it's only um, been out about two days as we record yeah. this. So so you and I both got obviously got this in a feed. So this this is a really interesting TED talk, uh, because it speaks about the manufacturing supply chain for a lot of our modern technology and, and the, the TED talk itself focuses on AI technology, but actually it's relevant to lots and lots and lots of different things that have chips in them. And it relates to the Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company. I think that's what TSMC stands for. Yes. Um, uh, very basic premise. There are only three fab man, you know, uh, fabs uh, co companies companies that can actually manufacture chips uh, of uh, highly sophistication in the world. Uh, one is Intel in the USA. One is Samsung uh, in Korea. And the other is TSMC in Taiwan. And the, the, the TED Talk is a geopolitical angle on this in the sense that, that met, there are many analysts who believe that, that China is only really five, five to ten, but maybe only five years away from trying to invade Taiwan and, and, yeah, and annex it. Um, and it was, it, the, the TED Talk is about what would happen 
um, if there was no TSMC. And, and they are by far the world leaders in the sophistication of chips. They're the only ones that can make three nanometer chips, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, so there's, there's, um, uh, there's, there's no great answer. <laughs> there's no light at the end of the tunnel on this one, I'm afraid. So it's not really a very Christmassy story. Uh, so, but, so pretty much if anything happens there, a TSMC will not be able to make the world's important big high-tech chips and that will have uh, an influence on everything yes because so so i mean many of our listeners and viewers will know names like nvidia of course in in the world of gpus uh, and uh, you know, and gpus being the things that power your ai <laughs> but nvidia don't manufacture their chips they outsource that to tsmc and so yes. does practically everybody else yes so it's a really interesting one. We could see the re the the resurrection, I get like, uh, the phoenix from the ashes of Intel, um, because the the American um, government, I think, uh, Jeremiah, correct me if I'm wrong, but your federal government is uh, uh, is backing masses of investment in oh, Intel to manufacture in Germany as well. Germany, yeah. uh, Intel is building a big uh, chip factory in Germany. Yeah, right it's now, become so. a national security issue here, yes. um, like oil. And um, it's kind of that drill, baby, drill concept, but they could actually make it. Um, it's it's significant because, first of all, there's you know a lot of nuance in the geopolitical vis-a-vis -vis China, Taiwan, because there is the mutual assured destruction aspect of the Chinese uh, cutting off chips from the U.S., which would be like cutting off their nose like their face. There's just so much interactive stuff. However, if things get crazy and people act crazy, then crazy things will happen as we have seen and are continuing to see. So um, I think, uh, you know, Apple's move to silicon-based chip, the, you know, now the M3, and I'm sure they're working on the M5 now, whatever that will be eventually. Um, certainly Intel, um, Qualcomm is... All of these chip manufacturers are trying to get at least a leg up on manufacturing. Unfortunately, it takes at least five years to build these plants. These are yeah. the most sophisticated manufacturing plants and, and, in the yeah. world right now. And billion, tens of billions, if not a hundred billion. I think the, the, the video quoted something like a hundred billion dollar investment by TSMC in the next generation of chips. Oh, um, easily. Oh, yeah. Uh, because and, they and, could justify it. But no, that's a hundred billion dollars. And that's not, well, that's, that's not just the manufacturing it, capability. That's not even the design element of it. Because well, well, you mentioned it, Qualcomm, Jeremiah. Qualcomm, of course, very famous chip manufacturing. So they don't actually manufacture chips. They design right. them. Apple that's designed right. them. Qualcomm designed yeah, them. Right. Lots yeah. of other people design chips. But really, there's only very few I, that can manufacture them. And you certainly don't want to hear when you've built your plant and you run your first test, you don't want somebody to say, whoops. I, I just recently, hmm. I just recently uh, listened to a podcast where someone talked about the machines that make these chips. Um, these are machines that themselves are made of four hundred or five hundred thousand parts. So, even even that, the the quality of these machines has to be so high because, of course, you can't afford to have one of these four hundred thousand parts to fail every three months. Because if you if you multiply that by the amount of parts, the machine will never run. So you have to have 
these are in exceedingly expensive and high quality and anyway um yeah Seems TSMC. to be more sophisticated than than space flight I mean, maybe really our wouldn't. maybe our whole AI revolution is not going to happen because of um, that single point of failure. And then there's quantum. <laughs> not yet, there isn't. <laughs> <laughs> that we know of. <laughs> All right, um, let's move on to the next one. Uh, Adrian? Yeah, this one's interesting. This is my more positive contribution to our show today because that one was a bit doom and gloom. Um, this is, uh, I don't know if either of you are big fans of e-ink displays. Uh, yeah, I've uh, used a few, beyond, yes. Beyond a simple Kindle, right? So I think many of our listeners will have experienced a Kindle of some sort. But actually, the world of e-ink displays is is really maturing very quickly at the moment. And uh, so, you know, what I, what I bring you right now uh, in this link, here's another YouTube. This is a review um, from a, a British fella who has a YouTube channel that um, very much focuses on reviews of e-ink displays. Uh, the product itself, this particular one, is called the Onyx Books Tab Mini C. And it is an Android tablet uh, with a color e-ink screen. <laughs> yes, actual color. Uh, and uh, it is mi a little bit bigger than your, your average small Kindle. Um, they do make bigger ones as well, but yeah, they're 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 getting smaller now. This this is um, so you can even watch video on this. It's what? sort of a great video experience. Um, but e you can watch video. Vid yes, you can. They, they have different speed modes, right? So that for for refreshing the screen and things like that, and you can you can have one that's fast enough to sort of watch you know, video on. Right. You wouldn't want to. You wouldn't choose to. Um, and the color thing is is new, uh, newish, um, uh, and maturing quickly. So you get three hundred dots per inch on the black and white on a, a device like this at the moment is the state of the art and for color 150 dots per inch but i think you only get about 20 colors <laughs> so it's, it's you, color color ish well it's cut it's color blind right it's, it's maybe it's cut it's color right so it is color and uh, that makes a big difference to if you're downloading apps from the google play store because it has access to a full suite of android applications so it's not a locked down thing like a kindle where you can only read books on it you can actually use it as a full-on tablet uh and uh and of yeah, course so e-ink displays are very power um light on on power consumption so the displays are yes absolutely uh the and now that these things are starting to be used for more things actually one of the things that has happened with these tablets the fully functional android tablets is that the the power consumption is much greater so those of us are used to having a kindle right. where it, it, it literally doesn't use any uh, any electricity uh, if you unless you're turning the page and it has to refresh the screen these things of course have you know processes going on in the background like your phone would right so so they do chunk through the battery a bit a, a lot quicker than a, than a kindle would um uh, but just i just wanted to to raise the awareness of it really just in case anybody is um you know is interested in these things having a bit of a play is the, um, is is the display good enough for photography uh i think it depends on what I you mean, do. I mean, resolution-wise, so 150 so, DPI is just fine. 
So resolution, resolution wise, like not for color photography. Only twenty colors is not, you ah, know, okay. and it's not exactly particularly color accurate. Um, Maybe a the, new the, art form emerging there. Exactly. Well, indeed, I mean, it's it's a new medium, right? It's well, a new display question. medium. Is it an expensive piece of kit, or is it? In other words, what would get me to either replace my iPad or have something on my desk? which was like a notepad with tactile writing. I mean, because I, li- I make notes all the time on paper. So there's a I lot write. of those now. Um, and they have um, the, the technology that this company and others use, it's not exclusive, um, is the Wacom technology. Yeah. So yeah, um, it is. Um, it is supposedly. I've not had a chance to try one yet myself, but it's supposedly a very good feel for note taking, sketching, you know, all of that sort of thing because it's got that you know that Wacom technology in it, which is you know world leading, isn't it? Let's face it, right? In terms of you know the sensitivity of of, of these things. So it can be very good for that. It can be, there are different brands of these products that some of them specialize in note-taking, others specialize in giving you access to different apps, others specialize in reading and stuff like that. But you can get one of these things. If you have a whole bunch of stuff on your Kindle, you can download the Kindle app for Android and you can get all of the, you know, just like using you know, a Kindle app on your phone or iPad. Um, so there's, there, there's lots and lots of choice. So if note taking and sketching is your thing, Jeremiah, yeah, there's absolutely a device manufacturer that will give you a really good experience. Yeah, the, in that. The real question is, is it worth the dough? That's really the big question. In other words, having another device, another device to charge, another device that I always feel if you're going to introduce another device, have it do one thing phenomenally well, better than all the other devices it's a a really good point um i think um it i think it depends on your use case right um and it depends on where you're headed so uh i i spend somebody as somebody spends way too much time in front of screens this has a real appeal to me not just Mm. as because i love my kindle and i read on my kindle but Kindle is not a good operating system for things like reading articles. Not really, right? It's clunky to transfer something and blah, blah, blah. So if you have something where you could get an app with your RSS feed on it, right, but it's still an e-ink screen, uh, or you could you, know, you could browse the web in a proper way and, and, and read things there, I think there's, there's definitely a use case there. But Sounds if like really what you want to me. do is watch and edit video, then no, these are not the devices for you. Sounds like an iPad. it's 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 a very strong that's a very strong argument and i think you you need to want the technology difference in the screen for whatever good reason right to to rest your your eyes a larger piece of you know uh, electronic paper with beautiful tactile touch great pen something that could trans translate directly to a computer screen if you Mm. want to that would be helpful just as a note-taking device sketching so you can get those up to about a4 size yeah but they're expensive they are yeah the smaller ones are anyway cheaper here's the thing here's the thing christmas is on on the (laughs) is is coming up if anyone out there is getting one of these for christmas we're talking the the onyx books um hey let us know yeah yeah do yeah I'd be really interested to hear from anybody like who, a first-hand who's got review, first-hand first experience person, yeah. of it. Yeah, That's definitely. Right. All right. Let's do a quick lightning round through our picks of the week. 
Um, I have brought us... Okay, so the... 2009 to 2016 was the time when Digital Ref TV um, brought, brought, brought forward uh, Kai Wong and Lok Cheng, who are now independent uh, video producers. And these guys, nerdy, um, irreverent, very no respect for anything. They were doing weird tests they they got professional photographers on the thing and gave them barbie cameras to take pictures with and um they they destroyed cameras to find out how much they could take and they did it in a very um well in a very interesting way and yeah golden years as you said so um these two guys are not in hong kong any longer they are in the uk and they are independently doing their stuff, but also they have an, uh, a show called Bulky, Bro Bulky Brothers. And in that show, they d revealed that the old Digital Ref TV videos that they produced back then um, are gone. They've been taken off the YouTubes. But they, of course, have a copy of them. So they are in their latest episode. They're going through a few of them. They are reviewing a few of them. Um, and I found it a delightful episode. So if you if you've uh, if you remember the good old times when they painted some cameras in pink, like they, they painted yeah. a Leica yeah, pink. Yeah. No? So that's the kind <laughs> of stuff they did. Um <laughs> Um, what are the what are the auspices under which YouTube removes videos? No, no, YouTube didn't remove it. The owner, Digital Ref, uh, oh. the 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 dealer who they worked for back then, oh, um, removed it. Digital so. Rev was a, I think it was a shop, but there was a camera also, store. It was a, yeah. it was a camera store in Hong Kong, and they had a big. Uh, they they were quite uh, a big website at the time as well, a, a, yes. an online vendor at the time. Anyway, two personalities of the photography of the digital photography. Um, early, early professional digital photography side. Um, I found it kind of fun to watch them watch their old videos. So um, we'll put a link in the show notes. And the second one is by Adrian. Oh yeah, this is this is a good one actually. I found this on the amateur photographer website. Uh, Twelve Christmas photography project ideas to try, but these are not your average photography. This is not go out and I shoot see, all the letters of the alphabet somewhere can. or anything <laughs> like that. They, these are these are like DIY photo things. So so yeah, well the Pringles cam one is 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 make a macro lens um, uh, or an extension tube, I think they call it. So yeah, yeah, taking a Pringles can and and you know making it light tight and attaching like it to it. your camera. Um, making a homemade bean bag with a bag of rice just was a of bit of, and, and wrapping it up in some cloth was just just a bit of fun. Um, and the, the, there's other things like you know drill it, drilling holes in in clips and mounting your know, bore heads to them to make you know clippable tripod heads. Just just a a, a bunch of fun stuff. Really. That looks like real fun. Uh, it, it is, yeah. Anything you can, anytime a you can get a bottle cap camera mount. Yay. Yeah, it's that's right. Yeah, just get a yeah, drill, drill a drill a hole. You know, mount mount a quarter inch thread in it, and and away you go. So, <laughs> it, cool. it it just seemed to me that actually it could be quite quite good fun to have yeah a bit of a DIY project. And, and you don't well, there's twelve look to like You from. need a lot of stuff, right? It, no, none of it's expensive either. Stuff, yeah. It's stuff you find you know uh, around the place. Um, yeah, so it's not. It really isn't hard to do. Um, 
Uh, this one's funny, actually. You stop there, Chris, just for a moment, right? So this is getting a kitchen egg timer type thing, right? One that has a, a, a rotary, you know, physical rotary interface, and and using that to using that to make um, a, a panoramic camera, you know, like one of these devices that spins around and oh, takes so a time lapse kind of yeah, time lapse cool. thing, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. So out of a kitchen timer. So uh, it just just lots and lots of fun stuff. A movie um, grip made from some pipes. Made from just bits of pipe that you can yeah. buy down the hardware store. It's just it, it, it's it's just this is cool. Yeah. All right. <laughs> it's so just a bit of fun. <laughs> if you want to build some photography stuff with your kids back home, that's the place to go. All right. And then Jeremiah, you brought us uh, uh yeah, stills.com. This is, this is um a you know, a site that uh you know, it's a stock photo site, um, but the quality of the imagery is unusually good. Um, and the filtration system in terms of, you know, drilling down, you could follow artists, kinds of images, but they're, they're not the kind of imagery that one sees certainly in American television for pharmaceutical companies of people having a great time <laughs> walking on the beach, <laughs> you know, playing with their kids. No, this, these look like, um, these look like, this looks like serious art. art, like art yes. And they're licensable. And, um, I, I just, I came across it and I thought this is really, really, where stock photography really should be if it's going to compete at all with um, AI over the next few years because I think um, AI stock, quote, photography, unquote, is going to really put a dent in the the uptake of oh, yeah. traditional stock agencies. Definitely. I like that idea. And I like the photos as well. That's yeah, they're, some good they're stuff. beautiful. Immediate, immediately visible that there is a different kind of stock photography. Yeah. And, and I, I, you know, I, I haven't seen much press on it. I haven't really um, had anybody in my kind of extended community even aware of it. And so hopefully... No, um, it's the first time the I'm, I'm hearing of it, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Very nice. Thanks for sharing that one. Uh, links are in the show notes, of course, to everything that we talked about. Um, the the Phoenix thing, the Geminids. Is it Geminids? 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 Gemini Geminids, I Geminids. think. Anyway, so uh. <laughs> that was it for this week on the future of photography. Where we're gonna try to squeeze in one more episode before the holidays. Um, it's going to be a good one if we do it. <laughs> if, if we, if we do it, it's going to be a good one. If we don't do it, then we'll... It's uh, not going to be a good one if we we'll don't deliver do it. it after the fact. All right. Um, yeah. We're, of course, at thefuturephotography.com. You can find us on the, on the socials. I'm not sure what socials we're on. But anyway, come join us and we'll be back very soon. Until then, everyone, take care. And bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Future of Photography. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your other podcasts. Find the show notes and more information at thefutureofphotography.com.